it, he wins. And following that, instead of being fired up for God, instead of seeing the miracles that happened before him and, and, and letting that be a testimony to his faith and lead to a, a whole bunch of slew of other amazing things, we see him here, what? Wanting to die. He wants to go off into the wilderness and he wants to lay under a juniper tree and he wants to die. If this isn't the feeling that I just mentioned, the, the meh, the, the eh, I honestly don't know what is. A guy who just accomplished the greatest thing probably in faith, in his faith, wants to die. The scripture is telling us something really important here. We fail to care and we slip into the mindset of carelessness when apathy strikes, right? We talked about apathy. But the thing is that apathy strikes when we begin to tell ourselves two lies. There's two important lies here that Elijah believed, that Elijah was operating under, that caused him to fall into apathy, okay? So if you want to take notes, know this, two lies. The first is this. Elijah believed and Elijah told himself, I don't have it in me. He knew that he had a journey ahead of him. He knew that he had just accomplished something so amazing. But then he began to tell himself, in order for me to get over there, I just do not have it in me. I'm tired. The odds are too great. She's going to kill me. And the reality is, this lie itself is honestly more of a half-truth, right? Because the reality is he doesn't have it in him. Right, we talked about this, this whole community series, and we talked about we were never intended to do certain things alone. The mistake that Elijah made is that he thought he had to. The mistake that Elijah made was that he believed that he had to. He didn't just believe that I don't have it in me, now I need to rely on God. He believed I don't have it in me, and I'm supposed to have it in me. And therefore, I cannot do it. He believed that he was required to. And you know this to be true because in verse 3, what did he do? He says, and he was afraid, he rose, he ran for his life. He came to Beersheba, which belonged to Judah. And what did he do? He left his servant there. He went to a journey out into the wilderness, and he came and sat down on a gym tree. He left his servant there. He went to go and do this alone. The last three weeks, we've been talking about community and the importance of that. So I don't want to go too deep into this. But he left his servant there because he thought that he was required to do it alone. So he started to tell himself, I don't have it in me. I can't do this. And instead of that, leading him to relying on God, he said, I'd just rather die. I think we tell ourselves the same lie. I think when we look at all the things that we're super passionate about, and we look at these areas of our lives that we wish we could give more energy and more effort to, these areas in our lives that we used to be super fired out about and we would participate and we'd get involved in and, and you were just such a leader in those areas and you're thinking to yourself now, man, man, I just wish I had the energy. I just don't have it in me, right? We tell ourselves this same line. It sounds a little differently. Like, I don't have it in me. It sounds like I don't have the time. I don't have the margin. I'm worn out. I'm beat. I'm busy. I've lost my passion. I'm drained. We tell ourselves these things. Because deep down, we think that we're supposed to do it on our own, so we tell ourselves, I just don't have it in me. The first lie that leads to apathy is that I don't have it in me. The second lie, which is equally as troubling, is I couldn't even if I wanted to. 
If I had the time, if I had the margin, if I had the passion, if I had the energy, the effort, if I wasn't drained, if I wasn't worn out, I couldn't do it even if I wanted to. It seems too hard. I don't know how. I'm not smart enough. There's probably someone else in this room that could do it better than me. Are you sure, God, that you've called me? If I step up to the plate and swing for the ball, I'm just going to miss anyways. I just don't have it in me. And even if I did, I couldn't do it. These are the two lies that Elijah told himself, and these are the two lies that we tell ourselves that lead us to apathy. But I think that these two lies come from something deeper. Right, I think it was like week or one or two I talked about, oftentimes we have symptoms of a disease and we try to cure the disease, right? Or we try to cure the symptoms instead of the actual disease. Well, I think that might be the case here. These two lies are symptoms of a bigger disease, right? So what I want to talk about for a second is where do these lies come from? What are these law, lies draw from? What sources do they come from? And I believe there's three main buckets, three main sources. The first is tiredness. Tiredness. These might, this might be a valid feeling, right? Like you might literally be tired. Tiredness. It might be you're tired from things that you've done, right? For Elijah, he, he had just done the pinnacle of his faith. So he's tired. He's worn out. So maybe for him, I don't have an enemy come from the fact that he was tired. Maybe for you, you've done some really awesome things and you're telling yourself, now it's someone else's turn. Now it's someone else's turn. I'm tired. Maybe you're telling yourself, it's time for me to move on. It's time for me to do something else. But I think another main source of where tiredness comes from is from being overstimulated. I think for me, when, when I look at apathy, I start to think about it, and it's this, the definition is essentially lack of concern, lack of passion, enthusiasm. And sometimes we think that, oh, this person is just lazy, they don't care. But the reality is, sometimes apathy is from being overstimulated. And what I mean by that is that sometimes apathy is being semi-alive and really ineffective in a whole bunch of areas rather than a master becoming really proficient and fully alive and fully vested in a field. I'm going to repeat that because I truly mean this, and I, it, the challenge later is going to stem back to this very quote, but I believe that apathy sometimes comes from being semi-alive and really ineffective in a lot of areas, a lot of categories, a lot of places that we're putting our time, our energy, our effort, instead of spending a little more time becoming proficient, becoming a master, becoming excellent, and becoming fully invested, fully alive in a few. The first main source that these lies draw from is tiredness. The second source that I believe these, these lies draw from is fear and avoidance. Right, that you fear that this task is too hard. God, I know what you're calling me to, that's just impossible. Again, I'm not smart enough. I'm not wise enough. I'm not fill in the blank enough. I don't have enough fill in the blank. Time, resources, effort, energy. 
you fear that if you go after what you know God's calling you to, that you won't be able to do it. But I think more importantly, there's a lot of times that we avoid who we're called to be. That we know who God's calling us to be deep down. And when we stop to think for a second, we realize that there's going to be some sacrifice involved. For Elijah, for him to have completed what he did, he's now going to be living a life on the run for a while. So his life's going to be unpredictable. It's going to be dangerous. It's going to be scary. He's like, this is not what I signed up for. I'm not signing up for this. I'd rather just die. But for us, we say these same things. We know sometimes what God's calling us to. We have these passions put into our heart. And we say, God, I know what you're calling me to, but I look over here at the cost, and it's too big. It's too much. And what we do then, oftentimes, is avoid becoming who we're called to be. The second main source that these lies draw from is fear and avoidance. And the third is boredom, okay? I've seen this one play out in so many different areas. People are like, I just don't know. I read scripture and I'm not getting anything from it. I pray every morning. I'm just not getting anything from it. I'm doing fill the, in the blank and, and my faith just feels kind of eh. And so oftentimes I ask the question like, well, what, what, what are you doing that's challenging in your faith? Oftentimes people are like, well, what do you mean? I'm like, what actually requires sacrifice? What actually requires you to give something else up in order to make it happen, to make your faith happen? And, and a lot of times people are like, oh, well, not really much. I, I'm, I'm busy. I'm tired, blah, blah, blah. We become bored in our faith because we're not challenged. My friend Seth is a perfect indication of this. <laughs> he's going to hear this and he's going to be like, how dare but growing up, we, we had played football our whole lives together, and I started powerlifting my freshman year, and he, he just refused to lift weights, and I don't know why to this day. But every now and again, he would get this, this, this uh, really great idea, I'm going to go work out with, with the powerlifting guys. And he would come, he would come into the gym, and, and we would be doing these low reps, low weight, and he would do them like, he, he would add more weight than us, and he's, he's like trying to show off, and he's trying to flex, and he's like doing a great job. I'm like, good job, Seth. I'm like, cool. He's like, oh, y'all powerlifters are only doing whatever. And I'm like, look at me. I'm like, okay, cool. He'd work out really hard, and, and he couldn't walk. If we did squat day, he couldn't walk for like three days. Or, or like he'd like tear his chest. He's like the most injury-prone person I've ever met. Like he'll pick up a Skittle off the ground and like break his finger. Like I swear, that's, that's, that's my friend Seth. Like, we, like no joke. I don't know why. Skittle, I've ever, anyways. But it could happen. I, with Seth, I believe all things are possible. But I remember he'd be really sore the next day, and then we wouldn't see him in the gym for weeks. And I'd call him, I'd be in the gym, like, hey, I thought you were going to start working out again. He's like, hmm. Like, hey, brother, I thought, I thought we were going to do, you know, leg days today. He's like, ah, I'm not feeling too good. And then weeks would go by, we wouldn't see him in the gym, and, and, and then he would look at us, and he would always do this, like, pity party thing. He's like, man, I'm not getting any stronger. Y'all are all getting bigger. You're gaining weight. You're lifting more weight. And I'm like, Seth, you're not in the gym. <laughs> He's like, well, I worked out with you, uh, like, last week. I was like, but that was, like, two months ago. <laughs> like, you're not working out with us. This does not count. <laughs> but my friend Seth, he wasn't challenging himself. And because he wasn't challenging himself, he wasn't seeing results. And because he wasn't seeing results, he got bored and he quit. I believe that apathy for us can stem from the same problem. We get into these really awesome habits in our faith 
These things that become ritual become really amazing, but at the end of the day, we're not challenging ourselves, and so we become bored. So apathy, these lies that I'm not able to do, and, and even if I could, I couldn't, begin to set in, and we, we become apathetic. And the second part of boredom is taking risks. You've got nothing on the line. If you fail, who cares? No one's going to notice but you. We stop taking risks in our faith when we become bored. So what I'd like to do now is maybe provide some solutions, some offers, some solutions here, right? Because if apathy stems from two major lies, right, that I don't have it in me and I couldn't even if I wanted to, and these draw from being tired, from being scared, from avoiding and boredom, then my hope today is to provide a few solutions. So a few solutions. Number one, tiredness. <laughs> what I'm about to tell you, actually, that one of the solutions I'm about to give you, I, I heard one time in a sermon, I was so mad. I'm like, they, they took this Elijah story, and this is the only thing they came up with. Like, it, it's to, to take a nap and eat a snack, okay? That's the number one. And I thought, like, oh, my gosh, like, you just read Elijah, and, like, that's what you come up with? But it's actually a really great point, and it's really applicable here. Maybe you're tired, and maybe you're tired for rightful reasons. You look at school, and I've seen how much they, they overload your plate. Like, th this semester, a couple weeks have been put off. Y'all are having to go to school on, on weekends, and I, I don't know how many are actually doing that, but I think you're supposed to. Or, can, is anyone actually going to school on the weekends? No? Well, you're supposed to, so how dare. Right now, it's good. But you're tired, and maybe you're actually, actually tired, right? Maybe the solution for you, no joke, is like take a nap and eat a snack. Okay, that's just my little two cents there. But... A second and more important solution to tiredness is going back to the quote I mentioned a second ago. Sometimes apathy is being semi-alive and ineffective in a lot of areas instead of proficient and a master in a few. And so for maybe for some of you, you're tired and you're worn out, and it's for rightful reasons. It might be because you've overstimulated yourself, and you need to take a step back and really think, what are areas of my life that are giving me joy, that are giving me living into my passions, that are doing something for the kingdom of God? And what are areas that I'm just participating in, that I'm semi-alive in, that is taking up my time and taking away from my ability to become a master and proficient in a few? Maybe some of us in this room need to look at our schedules, look at all the things we're doing, and say, this, yes, I'm good at it. Yes, I'm involved. This is really awesome. But ask yourselves, is this one of the things that are the few that you should become a master in excellence in? Maybe you really need to prioritize. For fear and avoidance, right? The task is too hard. It seems impossible. I've I was like, maybe I'll bring a story out of the Bible that's like, oh, nothing's impossible for God. I think we've all heard a lot of those. David and Goliath, you look at the, the majority of Daniel and the lion's den, like I could go on and on all day. We all know that what might be impossible for us is never impossible for God. But what a more important note to, to talk about for fear and avoidance is to sell all your stuff. And this is going to make a lot, a lot, lot more sense here after I read this scripture. So if you're lost, good. You're not supposed to be found yet, okay? I'm going to read a few verses here from Matthew. But sell all your stuff. If you're, if, if you're scared that when push comes to shove, you're not going to be able to do it. If you're knowing that God's calling you to do something awesome and you're sitting there telling yourself, like, I know the risk. I know what's, what's required of me and I don't want to do this. Sell all your stuff. And what I mean by that is in Matthew chapter 19, a rich young ruler comes to Jesus and he says, Jesus, 
how might I acquire eternal life? And he says, well, you have to follow the commands, okay, cool. And the guy's like, yeah, I'm totally doing that. And he's like, great, cool, 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 this is awesome. Um, also, I want you to sell all of your stuff, and I want you to follow me. And this is what the rich young ruler says in verses 20 and 21. It says, the young man said to him, all these things I have kept what am I still lacking? Jesus said, if you wish to be complete, go and sell your possessions, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. But when the young man heard this statement, he went away grieving. In some other translations, it says he went away sad. For he was one who owned much property. One solution to becoming who God has called you to be when you look at your life and you're like, well, what are some of these areas that maybe I do need to cut? First comes to saying, what do I need to sell? A lot of us in, in, in our life might need to be asking ourselves, what is it that I need to sell? Because you want to follow Jesus and you're scared what it would mean if you start to lose things in your life. Maybe that could be some certain friend groups. Maybe that could be losing some organizations that you have prominent positions in, but you know that's not giving you passion or energy. You might have to ask yourself, what is it that you need to sell? What is it that God's actually calling you to do? And what is God calling you to sell? And then sell it. Walk away from it. Because if you don't, I think you might be like this rich young ruler who followed all God's commands. Who cared a ton to do that, right? Like, you, you don't just kind of care about Jesus and kind of love Jesus to follow all of the commands, right? This person genuinely loved and cared about Jesus, but he walked away sad. And if you're in this room today and you know God's calling you to something greater, but you know the consequences and you're not willing to sell, I can promise you will walk away grieving. You will walk away sad. And when you walk away sad... When you avoid, apathy starts to creep in. And the third part is boredom. What are some solutions to boredom? We look at some more Matthew here. We see a story. You might have heard it before. The talents where a master leaves his servants with five talents, with three talents, with one talent. He goes off, and he comes back. The guy with five talents turned it into ten. And, then, and the master said, good job. Come live in the joy of the master. Good job. The guy with three turned it into six, and he said, good job. Come to live into the joy of the master. And the guy with one said, Master, I knew you'd be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seeds. And I was afraid, and I went away and hid your talent in the ground. He buried it. He did nothing with it. And this is what his master said to him. <laughs> you wicked, lazy slave. You knew that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I scattered no seeds. And you ought to have put my money in the bank, and on my arrival... I would have received my money back with interest. Therefore, take away the talent from him and gave it to the one 
who has 10 talents. If you're looking at your faith and you're bored and it's leading to apathy, just this meh feeling, it might be that you're not challenged. My question for all of you is we have all these special gifts, right? Maybe, maybe you have this amazing voice and you're like, would love to be plugged into the worship team. And you're like, mm, that's scary, that's frightening. I don't blame you. I, I'm not particularly fond of public speaking, but for some reason God prayed a prank on me and chose this for my life living, right? I get it. But God's saying, you have these amazing talents. You're bearing them. Maybe some of you have the gift of leadership, and you're bearing it. Maybe some of you have the gift of reading the word of God and coming up with some really cool content, and you're bearing it. Maybe some of you are gifted with, with images and clothing designs, and you're bearing it. Maybe you're proficient in praying, and you're bearing it. One solution to hearing boredom could be to, to take a challenge. And the last one, which is my favorite one, and this is either going to be hit or miss, so we'll see. In Acts 20, we find ourselves where a guy took a risk, and we'll see what happens here. Acts 20, verses 7 through 12 says, On the first day of the week, when we were gathering together to break bread, Paul began talking to them, intending to leave the next day, and he prolonged his message until midnight. Like, this guy is preaching and preaching and preaching, and maybe you're like, Isaiah, you do the same thing, and we've fallen asleep. But he's preaching and preaching and preaching. And there was a young man named Eutychus sitting in the windowsill, sinking into a deep sleep. And as Paul kept on talking, he was overcome by sleep. He fell down from the third floor, and he died. I don't know why, that's just so funny that's in the Bible, like, why? But Paul went down and he fell upon him, and after embracing him, he said, Do not be troubled, for the life of this man is in him. When he had gone back up and he had broken the bread and eaten, he talked with them a long while until daybreak, and they left. They took away the boy alive, and they were greatly, and this word shocks me every single time I read it, it makes no sense, comforted. <laughs> this boy... Sits on a windowsill, probably like I have on multiple times on a Sunday morning when my old preacher, Brother Bill, hopefully never listened to this, he was super boring, and has fallen asleep. But this time, poor guy fell three stories down to his death and died, okay? They brought him back to life, and everybody left comforted. Not shocked, not confused, not anxious, not anything, comforted. And I started to, I, I read this a million times, and I started thinking like, what? Why is this in the Bible? <laughs> and to be honest, I don't fully know, but I'm going to totally uh, take it and hijack it and use it for my point, which is that we need to take risks in our faith, okay? If you're born in your faith, it might mean that you need a risk in your faith. For Eutychus, the risk was completely accidental, okay? The dude just sitting in a windowsill, the mood's right, Paul's preaching. I imagine he has like a deep, chill voice. I, I don't know, that's not deep or chill, but he, he imagine a deep, deep, chill voice, and that's what he has. So this dude falls asleep, and he falls to his death. And because he falls to his death, something amazing happened. He's brought back to life, and everyone in the entire room sees something amazing. They see a boy who was once dead, who is now alive, and they all leave comforted. Maybe for you, what's leading to apathy is boredom in your faith, and it's time to take some risks. And this could be going back to what I said just a second ago with your talents. You're like, I, I would never, ever in a million years, ever want to be on stage. I would never, ever, ever in a million years want to lead people, draw, have them follow me. I would never in a million years want the things that I'm creating up in here be casted out into the public. But God's saying it's time to take some risks. 
Because if you start taking some risks, I can promise you this, your blood's going to get going, your adrenaline's going to go, and you're going to start to have some fun. And when you start having some fun, the apathy is going to fall away. And I can tell you this, I lived into this a ton, and wow, was my faith interesting. And if you want to hear some stories, ask Haley, because she's been a witness to too many of my really ridiculous stories. One being I almost died at a taco stand. If you want to hear that one, let's go. I'm not kidding. That's 100% true. <laughs> it wasn't a taco stand, it turns out, but I almost died nonetheless. It was a risk. It was fun. <laughs> and I'll appear now, okay? Take risks in your faith. Because the reality is, apathy comes from two lies. I don't have it in me. I couldn't even if I wanted to. And these draw from tiredness, fear and avoidance, and boredom. And so as the call the band up here, I'm going to leave you with a few challenges. The first challenge is, you might be ramping down, Okay. You might be ramping down. It might be your senior year. It might just be simply put that you're just over it. You're just meh. But what if it is that it's time to take a nap, eat a snack, wake up, and head on a 40-day journey? What if I were telling you, everyone in this room, that your journey's not over? God is saying, wake up. Your journey's just begun. Seniors, your journey has just begun. I know you're ready to graduate. I know you're ready to get out of this place. Probably not. Maybe some of you. I don't know. We need you. God needs you. For everyone else in here, if you're ramping down, it's time to ramp back up. Your journey has just begun. And the second challenge, or really invitation, is rest. We have a really special weekend planned for each and every one of you, hopefully, next weekend, a retreat. We'd love you to be a part of that because we're going to be focusing on rest. If you haven't signed up, there's a sign-up out there. So I'm going to leave you with a few questions and I'm going to pray. pray. Question one, where might you might need to reprioritize? Where in your life might it be possible that you're partaking in, that you're part of, that you might care about, that you might be passionate about, but might be taking up time that you could use to become a master and proficient in an area that God's really called you to be a part of. Where might you actually need to reprioritize? The second, where might you recognize that you need change, but you're unwilling to sell your stuff? And this is a hard one. As a pastor and, and as someone in ministry who left engineering to potentially take up my dad's business, right? I had to sell a lot. <laughs> and I don't regret it. But I know when I was wrestling with that decision, I know for me the big thing was money, the big thing was was doing something, right, taking over my, my, my dad's company and creating this family legacy, whatever. But God had something different in store for me. He asked me to sell my stuff. He asked me to walk away. I'm not, hopefully you're not going to go tell your parents, Isaiah says it's time to walk away and I'm going to stop doing business school and, you know, go live under a bridge or something. Like, don't do that. Okay. Unless you're called to it. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> but Maybe. Where somewhere 
in your life that you might need to walk away from. That you know deep down that you're called to, but you see the risks, you've calculated them, and they suck. They're brutal. But you need to do it. And the last question is, where do you need challenges and where do you need risks? Our faith gets boring and easy because we don't make our faith hard. (laughs) I know that sounds like so dumb. It's true. Where might you need a challenge? Where might you need some risks? God, we love you so much and we are so thankful for everything that you've done in our life. Lord, I know we have a million things going on, and I know it's so easy, so tempting to say, I'm busy, I'm tired, I'm worn out, I'm beat. I just don't have it in me. But we were never required to have it in us in the first place. Lord, let us rely on you. Let us draw hope and strength from you that it might give us the courage to live out our convictions. That it might give us the strength to sell our stuff and walk away. Lord, you have created us to care, to be alive. Not semi-alive, not semi-effective, but proficient and excellent not for anything that we can bring to the table because of what you do through us. And Lord, I pray that we use that source to go do something really amazing, Lord. Reveal in our lives what we might need to walk away from. Reveal in our lives what we might need to sell. Lord, reveal to us in our lives the risks we need to take. Give us some challenges, Lord. Wake us up from the dead. Lord, give us your spirit, a double portion of your spirit. You're calling each and one of, every one of us in this very room to care, to be alive, to live our, out our convictions boldly. Fill us with passion. Show us the errors in our lives that we need to prioritize and show us the waste. Let us trim the fat, let us prune. You've created us to care. Lord, awaken in us. Dry bones, come to life. We love you and we pray all these things in your name. Amen.